Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest is, in my opinion, the world's most fascinating man and one of my dear friends, Mario Praviti. Mario is the owner of Thrive Rehabilitation, 7C Scuba, and the Marketer LLC. He is also an instrument-rated pilot. And I'm so excited to have you on here, Mario, because again, I swear to God, you are the world's most fascinating man. Tell the good people a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for having me, Angela. A little bit about me. I guess where to begin? I've done a little bit of everything since getting out of high school. I've worked everywhere from donation centers like the Salvation Army to machining and welding, CNC, driving trucks, moving furniture. And, you know, I was inspired when I was younger. I wanted to be a marine biologist, hence the scuba diving. (laughs) However, in 2008, my father had an aortic aneurysm. Mm Mm-hmm and had a stroke in his spinal column and was paralyzed basically from the chest down, which inspired me to get into the healthcare side of things. So I went to Oakland University for undergrad for pre-PT. And at the time I took a job with a traumatic brain injury rehab facility. Wow. So we worked with adults post car accidents that needed to get rehabbed back into regular life if they could even go there, but to have some sort of semi-independent living. And During that, I realized I liked talking to people and enjoyed just being a part of everyone's lives. So I wanted to do networking more professionally. So I got into the doctorate program, realized that's not what I wanted. So I left that seat and figured that I would open some sort of business. Okay. So I went in and opened a marketing company, networked for different just different ancillary services for medical field. And then I realized that none of these places actually cared about their patients, unfortunately. Oh God. So I wanted to change that. So I wanted to do a direct one-on-one facility and that's where Thrive was born. I got to Thrive, the name of Thrive, because I unfortunately in 2015 got into a car accident, fractured my lower back and needed physical therapy. And different services myself. Uh, I met a close friend of mine who had a business and I couldn't come up with a name because unfortunately the medical industry is filled with different companies that didn't do well for their (laughs) patients or the appropriate uh, things they should have in the eyes of Medicare and Medicaid. So couldn't come up with a name. A friend of mine said, you know, why don't you purchase the name off of me? And I know that he was going to do a wonderful job. So Came up with Thrive Rehabilitation. We started in 2017 and haven't looked back since. Now, part of your story, and of course, like, I love you dearly, and I've went to physical therapy at Thrive. I've seen the facility and everything else. But what stuck with me is, I think it was like a month ago when I walked in and I was like, well, how did you get started with this? Like, how old were you when you started it? Because you were young. I was 25. 25. Yes. And you had said you had saved a bunch of money and you just started buying equipment. I want to talk about that because what was kind of the, and I think you and I are both the same person of like, it's all or nothing. Like I'm in it. I have this idea. I'm going to freaking do it. But what kind of was in your head when you did that? Well, going through my head, you know, I knew what I wanted. Of course. Um, I knew the service and quality of service that I wanted to give. So then that led me to find, number one, a partner that was a physical therapist. So enter Sean. I had met Sean a while back through a best friend of mine and reconnected with him, gave him a call, told him this is what I wanted to do. 
And he said, that's exactly what is different than what I'm currently doing. So I would love to be a part of that. So I said, okay, didn't really give him an answer past that. And I started looking for a building. Okay. So I found a building, told him, hey, found this place. I'm going to get the lease. He's like, oh, uh, all right. I was like, got 30 days. So 30 days later, I took my entire life savings. I saved up all my money, took my life savings, dumped it into equipment, the building, rent, renovating it, renovating the entire area by hand myself. Don't tell the city boss on that. Um, <laughs> it's a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. Um, I didn't do a single thing. No, I renovated all of it. Me and my dad, who's, you know, he's walking with a cane now from the previous story, you know, still can't feel his left leg, but he was there supporting me. Same thing with my mom and and Sean coming in to help when he could. And then on day 30, I was hoping Sean would show up and showed up. We opened the door and, and no one came in. Then uh, a couple of days later, you know, I had had connections in, in the uh, area, told people what we were doing why we were going to be different. Got a couple of uh, physicians that sent over referrals. The patients, you know, they have their choice to go where they want. They did choose us. Mm -hmm. So then we got our first patients that came in and that was that. But I will tell you, dumping all of your money into a business and you have to have the drive and the wherewithal to stomach Yes, that you don't know when that first person or couple or patient or whomever, whatever your business is, to come in, you have to have that because for me, it was, this is either going to work or it's going to work. There's, there's no, <laughs> there's no, right. You know, I mean, I didn't pay myself for the first two years of being open, mm -hmm. year and a half, two years of being open. And I'm also the first person, if something goes wrong, I'm the first person that doesn't get paid. Right. I think a lot of people and to the people that want to open businesses, it's nice to believe that money's going to come in hand over fist. For sure. In the beginning, but it doesn't. So you have to be able to stomach the feast or famine, the kind of the hunting mentality, like you kill what you eat type of a thing. Mm -hmm. You have to get out there and, and work hard at it. And whether that's the connections you build, like you and I is talking or mm -hmm. going out there and, you know, educating people to become customers or patients or whatever your genre is for your business. I think that's, that's the hardest part. What do you have anything like me? Me, I have my bad bitch playlist that helps me on tough days that I listen to. But during those times, especially earlier in the business of like, yes, you run a beautiful facility, you just expanded, like it's impeccable. But what kind of got you through those like, oh shit, it was this a bad idea days? Oh man, <laughs> YouTube, a lot of Tony Robbins. Oh, you're a Tony Robbins guy? No, I never was. I just typed in like motivational <laughs> things on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. In the morning, you know, like when you're, you got to do the 4 a.m. thing, right? So it's nice when you're the owner of a business because it's easy for someone to say, oh, you know, they get to leave when they want. Oh, for sure. But people in general don't realize, you know, whether they're your employees or your customers or your friends or your family they don't realize that from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, it's your business. Yep. You have like every little thing you do is your business. So to find that motivation in the morning, you know, sure. Did I have the help of somebody like Tony Robbins, the background doing it, but then you have to find your own motivation every day. Right. You might listen to the same thing once or twice, but eventually it gets old and you have to rekindle that relationship with yourself to make you want to do better. It's so true. So Motivation 
you're never going to be 100% motivated all the time. You just, you have to do it. It's like a cold shower. You just rip off the bandaid. Do it. it. Oh my gosh. That's what I say all the time when people are like, what's the advice for starting a business? I'm like, you just got to rip the band. You're never going to be ready. Like there's never like, this is the perfect time to do it. You just got to freaking do it. Well, you know, movies or shows or even public figures romanticize this thought of, you know, opening a business or getting married or doing (laughs) whatever it is. You're never going to be ready. No, you're never going to be ready. So you're going to be as ready as you can ever be. And sometimes you got to sometimes. That's the best you could do. Sometimes you got to sometimes. I like that. I mean, hey, it is what it is. We're just rolling with it. I love it. Now, again, it's just fat, like how you find time for all these amazing things you do. But what went into... So you have this business. You're an instrument rated pilot. You're a certified scuba diver. Like... Obviously, I know scuba diving from wanting to be a marine biologist, but where did being a pilot come from? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so the scuba diving happened because I wanted to do marine biology when I was younger. You know, right. Me and a buddy of mine saved up some money, took some scuba classes. Then that turned into from an open water diver to advanced to rescue to being an instructor and then becoming an instructor with two different certifying agencies and then becoming a master scuba diver trainer. Um that was fun. And I guess for those people that like to go down, also like to go up. So it's true. A friend of mine is a helicopter pilot. Okay. And he took me out one day and we came back and we met with his instructor. And his instructor, you know, introduced himself, was very nice. And he said, Hey, I'm so and so's instructor. And I go, Oh, nice to meet you. I'm an instructor as well. And he goes, Oh, you're a helicopter instructor? I go, No, I teach scuba dive. He goes, Oh, and I go, You want to trade? So just as a joke, just to see where it goes. Sometimes, right. you know, you never know. So he goes, yeah, actually, that'd be great. So it oh turns out God. he was also a, uh, an airplane instructor, a certified flight instructor, mm-hmm. and got his number, went on Craigslist that night, searched for airplanes, went on Facebook, searched for airplanes, <laughs> found an airplane what? for sale for like 30 grand. I ended up talking the person down to 15, which was wonderful. And then wow, I called him and I said, hey, were you serious? And he said, yeah. And I go, okay, well, I'm going to go buy an airplane in a couple of days. Are you, uh, do you want to come with me so I can fly this home? And he goes, well, I'm not available that day, but I have a friend who might be able to. So I called this friend. His name's Ryan, great buddy of mine now. Called him. I said, hey, I'm Mario. I want to buy this airplane. I've never flown a day in my life. Do you want to drive four hours away with me in a rental car and fly this thing back, which you have no idea what the condition it's in? And he goes, yeah, of course. So he drove up from his house. <laughs> What? We drove up with Traverse City, got to know each other on the way and paid for this airplane. And my first lesson was, hey, pull onto the runway and pulled onto the runway. He said, full power, keep it straight down the runway and start pulling back. So I started pulling back and, and it's kind of like business. It's kind of like life, right? You just kind of, you do what you got to do to make it through it. <laughs> and then once you take off the ground, it's so exhilarating. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm so happy I'm doing this. This is wonderful. So we fly all the way back down from Traverse City to the Troy Airport. And then I realized I have to land. Oh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so they're coming in and I looked at him and I go, hey, uh, I think you could take over now, you know, if, if you want to land this thing. But much like life, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Oh, my God. And he goes, no, you got this. I go, well, okay, any advice? He goes, do the opposite of taking off. I go. Well, that doesn't really help. <laughs> Just and hold on. Yeah. The best piece of advice that I've probably gotten was 
self-preservation, don't die. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, but I guess it needs to be said, right? Helps me from the other side, the other seat has controls and stuff. But I came in, I did exactly the opposite. Instead of pulling back, I went forward, reduced the throttle, came down and landed. And I've been hooked ever since that. And then you you have to do your hours. You know, you have so many hours before you have to solo. Then you do your private pilot's license. You have multiple tests. The FAA has plenty of tests from written tests to oral tests, the practical flight tests that aren't done with your instructor. You have to do with them with a separate examiner. And then for this last license, I did 40 plus hours of book work, written, studying, all in reference to just instruments that you can't see outside. Oh my, I did not know that story of that's how it literally was your first lesson. Yeah, that was my, that was my first flight lesson. Oh my God. Hey, I want to buy an airplane. <laughs> so, you, so you literally bought the plane before? Of course you did. I would expect, why am I even surprised? I'm not, I'm not even surprised one bit. It's either going to work or it's going to work. Right. There's no failure. And if there is failure, figure out how to move past it and keep going. Right. Oh, my God. You're amazing. That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> it's something. And those of you that are listening to this and do not see, um, I asked Mario before we started recording, what is your background? And can you tell people what you have on your wall that you told me before we started recording? Just to show what kind of person you are. So behind me are two pieces of baleen that a friend of Myself and a friend of mine were gifted for helping uh, the Inupat in Barrow, Alaska, divvy up their meal that they have traditionally as a whale. So they still hunt whale. That's part of their native culture. Mm -hmm. And every person that helps, whether it's processing, whatever it might be, every person gets a piece to take home. So you're not technically allowed to have them if they're not considered art. And a gentleman up there, you know, whom we helped his family, um, signed it and it was then considered art. So now I keep it as reference to what some people and cultures have to go through because for people that live in different areas, I enjoy traveling. So I like to experience culture. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just for frame of reference, a six pack of Capri Sun up there was $45. <gasps> oh my God. You know, people say, well, why do you still do this? Or why are these hunting traditions still alive? That's why. I mean, there's 900, I think, don't quote me on this, 900 people that live up there. It's small. I mean, it's a tiny town and people still get eaten by polar bears if they are out in the middle of the blizzard. So, um, so anyways, that's how I acquired that. And then that is the Atlas vertebrae of a seal that I found on the beach. Some polar bear picked it clean and I took it home. Got a little memento. Yes. I love that. And you still regularly go to Mexico and Key West and you dive for shark teeth. Correct. So I try to still travel everywhere. Cosmel is a great, cheap, fast, fun uh, scuba diving location for any divers that are listening. It's great. Roberta's Scuba Shack has always done me well, so kudos to them. But I go there and I dive in Key West, but I dive off the coast of North Carolina, which is, it's about 25 nautical miles off the coast of Carolina Beach. We go out there and you're doing a 100, 110 foot dive for upwards of 40, 45 minutes, pushing the envelope of the scuba diving, recreational scuba diving limits. And we're collecting megalodon shark's teeth and other different types of sharks at the time period that 
nobody's touched in, you know, millions, 23 million years at a minimum. But, you know, some people do it for selling. I do it because I enjoy the collection of it. And it's, it's more of a memento for me. I mean, they're, they're sitting underwater and they have been. So it's wild. You get to find a lot of different things. Whale ribs, inner ear bones from whales. So, and the nice thing is too, is when we're down there, we can help pick up some trash and keep the environment clean for what we can at least grab. Right. That was, I'll never forget that meeting, that networking meeting. And you just brought in shark teeth and we're like, hey, look what I found this past weekend. I'm like, of course you did. Because why wouldn't you? Right. Yeah. There's nothing like bringing home a six inch shark tooth to realize that that thing at what point lived on this earth and still might, depending on who you are. Um, believe that that'd be kind of cool. Well, and I never thought how big they are too, that it was. That's a 60 foot long shark. That's a school bus. That's massive. Just a little bit, just a little bit. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay. Being this person that has traveled so much, do you have a favorite place you've been? So I'm not a parent, but this is what I can equate it to. Okay. When someone goes, hey, do you have a favorite child? Um, <laughs> that's the only thing I can I have favorites, but for different reasons. Okay. Every place that I've gone to is special or magical in its own way mm-hmm. because it depends on what you're there to experience, right? Alaska was wonderful. I wanted to be part of the outdoors, no one around, no plans. You get to see things that, you know, frankly, you're sleeping in the middle of the woods. There's no one there. Or a close friend of mine that went with me to Alaska also backpacked Maui with me. So we went around the entire island, slept in hammocks and enjoyed every single thing that we could on that island, as well as Iceland was wonderful. The Caribbean was wonderful. I've been to all 50 states, most of the Canadian territories. It's awesome. Right. Different sites, different scenery, you know, pushing the limits of yourself, what you can do, what you want to experience, spearfishing for your own food, uh, you know, or some people like to travel on resorts, which is great. I enjoy meeting families and friends and getting to know people or local cultures. My most recent adventure is going to be doing Europe and hopefully Asia now that I just got my Italian citizenship. So I'd like to use that passport to try and make travels to places that I normally couldn't. What are some of those places you can't normally travel? For one, like Cuba would be a great place to go to. And you have to go there for a specific um I know you can go for tourism or for missions trips, but if you're a European citizen, you can go there just to go there. You don't need some special pass. You might still need a visa, but I can just go with my passport because I would be allowed to go wherever any European citizen's allowed to go without a visa or without a passport or with a passport, I apologize. So hopefully that expands the uh, areas in which I get to travel to. I didn't know that. I'm learning a lot this podcast. I think this might be the one I, I learned the most on. Jesus, it's good. Oh, well, I'm happy to teach. How do you fit all of this into your schedule? Like, what is a day in your, I mean, I know it changes week to week and you're just someone that like, I'll handle it. Like, I'll get my shit done. No problem. But how do your priorities align with owning a business? I mean, everything you do that you've talked about so far. I think for me, and the reason I'm able to do the things I can do with my business, with things that I want to do is number one, I have, as far as Thrive goes, I have wonderful staff. You do. I've always had people in the present, past, and in the future. I hope those future people remain to be wonderful, but anyone that's ever been a part of our team has been great. Mm -hmm. And I think we all connect on a different level than employee-employer. A lot of them liked to travel. 
Right. Which is why I think we got to connect. And, you know, some of them have left since to go move to a different state because of their curiosity for travel or wanting to do something different. But it was never on poor terms. Right. So as far as that goes, I think trying to, number one, connect with people on a different level and being yourself is the best thing that you can do. So I've always remained myself even into the business. You know, if somebody doesn't like me because I'm too outgoing, too happy, whatever it might be. <laughs> How dare you? Yeah, then that's on that. I can't control their actions. I can only control my response. So I try to bring that into everything that I do. And don't get me wrong, I've got my moments just like anyone else, like, oh, this is a shitty day. Of course. Or what the hell am I doing here? But it's like the motivation question you asked me earlier. You just get back into the groove. You keep going. So um, the secondly is, you know, it's getting to a position where you're able to understand that not everything is going to go correctly, mm -hmm. whether that's a sale or getting in new clients or making that quarterly bonus, whatever it might be for somebody. You can control it as much as you can for the things that you can control, but you can't sit there and dwell on the things that are out of your control. So again, for me, I like to bring that in. I can control the happiness that I have. I can control the experiences that I have and how I react to them. So scuba diving is one of those things that's a release. I get to see something that no one else gets to see from my perspective ever again. It's a moving piece of art because coral reefs, unfortunately, are dying and hopefully with conservation efforts, they can come back, mm -hmm. doing your part, all of those things. So kids in 40 years might not be able to see those things. So that's a big thing for me. With flying, there is only 600,000 pilots, I believe, that are active right now in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So one of those people, I mean, that's a small percentage of our population. So that's a motivating factor for me. I get to enjoy those things, but I also enjoy what I do. And I think too many people, you know, you're not going to enjoy every second of every day of what you do. You're going to, everyone's going to have their own. But I enjoy what I do. I enjoy helping my staff and being able to genuinely, and hopefully they think this, be a good boss, right? Yeah. So I, I've had bosses that have not been the best, but you learn from them. You say, hey, you know, thank you for being who you were because now it makes me who I am. So you have to say thank you to the good and the bad. That's a Tony Robbins thing right there. Oh, see, I was going to give you credit. I was like, damn, that was so good. I can't take that credit. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely a Tony Robbins thing. That's one of the things that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and some people may see your perspective and some people may not. I have uh, somebody that has been a good mentor of mine. So it's the WWS, or excuse me, that's a whole different acronym. SWSWSWS. Uh, <laughs> Some will, some won't, so what next? So it's kind of like some people might want your product. Some people won't, don't dwell on it. Some people might want to help you. Some people won't, don't dwell on it. Just move on. So a lot of these things that I think people hold on to need to be let go because that allows you to move forward in, in your everyday and making time for things. So you're not dwelling on with small things that eat up your time and, you know, limiting Facebook, limiting social media, limiting those in waking up early. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you can stay up till 2 a.m. watching internet streaming services, but where do they get you? Right. Nowhere, unless you're an influencer trying to figure out the next big content, which if you can make money on that, good for you. But that's like 1% of people. Right. Try to wake up early and 
do what I can do. I'll go delete my last podcast about social media and the importance of it. Thanks. No, there is no, there's. I'm just messing with you. There is definitely importance of it, but hey, for monetization, uh, of course, right? Correct, but there's also people that mindlessly scroll and then wonder where their dreams have mm-hmm. gone, and they say, "Oh, well, I don't know what I did with myself this year," and they can't count on one hand more than a couple goals that they may have accomplished instead of, you know, trying to write them out. You don't need a vision board. Write some things down. Don't set too big of goals. Set achievable things and then move and move and move. If you can't see, you know, too many people focus on the end, but they just have to realize that can you see the next step in front of you? And if you can take that step, you might not get to the end in that one step, but just that's the thing you need to do next. Right. You don't need to stack up a million and one goals to get somewhere. Just do the next goal. Right. And accomplish something. I talked to my friend today and he's also a business owner and he said it perfect. He was like, people just want to hit home runs, you know, want a home run once in a while. But if you continuously hit singles, like that's your batting average will be through the roof and that's what you want. And I was like, wow, that's a great analogy. But to your point of exactly what you're saying. So my best analogy for that is, you know, I've played multiple sports. I don't like watching sports anymore, but I've played multiple sports. And I think the one that's always hit home with me is playing rugby because, you know, you're not wearing a name on the back of your jersey. You're a number. You play a specific position with that number. But the point of the game is you're not throwing a Hail Mary pass to the end zone for a game winner. You're not trying to make these ginormous plays. Right. The funny thing about rugby is every play or every pass that you make is actually backwards. Yep. You have to throw it all backwards to go forward. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is I've always looked at life that way is, yeah, if you go backwards a little bit, just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. Just keep moving. It doesn't matter. And you win by inches. It's not a game of miles. It's a game of inches. You're just playing, you're grinding, and you're using everything that you can every resource that you have available to you, you know, you don't need millions of dollars to have all these resources. No. It's, it's the resources that you that you make do with it that makes you how resourceful you are, not going out to find one resource to do it. So that's exactly the truth. You don't need to hit home runs all the time. You just, you need to constantly hit singles in order to make it to where you need to be. It's consistency, right. not one big luck thing. And just nobody ever talks about that. Like to your point of aimlessly scrolling on social media, like nobody talks about how difficult it is or how, oh, it's so easy. Like you were talking about earlier of like everyone talks about and glamorized in Hollywood of like just own a business and get married and everything is just so easy in life, but it's not. And how many people told you you're crazy or really you're going to do that? Every person, don't get me wrong. I've, I've had a lot more supporters for people that I met once then unfortunately, yes, close people. And it's just interesting. It is. It's a perfect way to say it. <laughs> it's a very lonely, lonely route when you're a business owner, because unfortunately, people that don't understand it, mm-hmm. they don't get it. They may not conceptualize or they may they might have some inkling to what you have to do, but they don't understand that when bills need to be paid, it's you. You don't just collect a paycheck at the end of the week. You are the person that is the paycheck. Now, you might have employees that work for you and they still do things and yeah, but okay, if you have a bad week, your employees still get paid. Right. The insurance still needs to be paid. Your rent still needs to be paid. You know, if you own the building, everything still needs to be paid. I think the long running joke that people have on TikTok and all these Instagram things now are, 
it's an expense. Just write it off. Yes. I wrote it up. <laughs> Someone still has to pay for that. Right. It's just not a write off. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's usually the business owner. Now, if you have a big enough business, maybe there's incentives right. from the government or from different things. But I can tell you that as a small business owner, you rarely get any incentives. Correct. And you usually get taxed more unless you have different taxonomy for the IRS purpose. <laughs> so usually you have to, you eat plenty of spoonfuls of shit to get one spoonful of honey. Yes, that's, um, this was my favorite. I was telling my employees this. I, I took five days off. I went to Memorial Weekend, went to the UP, had the time of my life took five days off and I come home to $6,000 worth of like taxes, bills, everything in one day. And then people are like, how do you afford that? Do all that? I go, well, it's not all sunshines and rainbows. Like, yeah, we're making money and, you know, can pay for those things. But that was a horrible Monday. That was not a happy Memorial Day of like, oh, glad you took some days off, but pay your bills. But it's ridiculous. But you probably also look at it the same as I do, right? Where you're no longer looking at, oh, I've got an hour's worth of work to do today. You look at it from a standpoint of, I need to help X customers to be able to afford Y. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. That's the mindset that's shifted is, okay, how many people do I need to teach scuba diving to this weekend in order to afford doing this for myself or to pay myself this? It's not just, oh, I put in eight hours of work for two days and I should get this. Right. Well, that's great. It's fine and dandy. But if you're only teaching one person, do you really think you're going to get that? Or if you're only helping one patient, but then there's a fine line because you want to offer quality of care. Yes. And whether that's an intimate setting or, you know, for therapy, for instance, we don't want to become a meat grinder of these places. And don't get me wrong. There are great therapists at other facilities, but when you've got four or five, six, seven patients at one time with one therapist, is that quality care? No. In my eyes, no. In my opinion, no. I've been there. I've had that done to me. I don't want it. So working one-on-one -on -one with a patient. Could people make more money doing multiples at one time? Sure. The only time we've ever done multiples is if someone's on vacation and the patient agrees to it, you know, whatever it might be, and then it's got to be counted as group therapy, but that's a whole other thing. But either way, Trying to do what's right for the customer is number one in my eyes. And that makes, going back to how you fit things into your day, that makes me sleep at night. Yes. So doing the best that I can is what I genuinely feel I want to bring to the table. Well, and you come with an approach of like, I want to help people and I want to do the right thing. And that's how I do it too, of yes, there's 5,000 physical therapy places. There's 5,000 resume writers in the world, but there's no one else just like you. And that's why by doing individual sessions and you truly feel loved and cared for and your staff freaking kicks ass and they are amazing. I can say that. Oh yeah. But it's just like, you guys clearly like each other. Like you clearly have fun. Like you like each other. It's you walk in like I was asked, like, what kind of music you want to listen to? Like, we'll jam out today. So it's just like such a different environment where it's not like a stuffy, like, oh, physical therapy. And we're going to throw all these big words at you that you need a medical knowledge to understand and just like all this crap. And yeah. it's just such a and you're going you're gonna to get more clients over time because people like you and people like your employees. And that's bigger ROI long term versus having six people with one physical therapist at the same time. Yeah. And the nice thing is, is as I said, the reason why we connect with our staff on a different level is because we try to view them as not just what they bring, because a lot of times people can learn over time, right? If they're a brand new physical therapist, they still have to learn. For sure. It's still a career path that they chose that they're going to learn in. But if they also learn how to connect with somebody, if they learn how to meet them on their level, 
you might be talking to one of your patients could be a doctor themselves or somebody that's, you know, never heard a medical term in their life. Right. So if you could bring it to their level and help explain something without feeling like you're the smartest person in the room, then you've done your job. If you can educate someone in that way, so they have an understanding of what you're doing and they feel that you have their best intention in mind, that's the difference. That's where you win. You know, you don't need fancy technology. You don't need the newest gadget. Our therapists are great. They're very good manual therapists and they work with their hands. And that's the tools that, that's the money makers right there for them. That's their tools, that and their mind. Right. And they're all smart and they're all willing to learn and they don't think that they're the end all be all. And that's what I love about my staff. And that's what we try to do is encompass somebody's medical care from every angle, right? And I've told you this before, we, you know, there are some therapists that don't like that their patient sees a chiropractor or some chiropractors that don't like their patients to see a physical therapist. Right. That's all perpetuated by insurance because physical therapy visits come from the same pool as chiropractic visits. And if you've only get 30, then you just limited the chiropractor or you just limited the physical therapist instead of just working together in like a combination for that patient's treatment. Right. And I think that's where the medical community has gone wrong as everyone thinks that they're the end all be all instead of working from a very holistic patient centric point of view instead of, you know, just to hammer everything's a nail. So right. you got to view it from the thousand foot view and then hone it in, not the other way around. Well, and what I loved the most, and I of course had the insurance issues too, because I go to a chiropractor and it was fighting and it was stupid and your staff took the time to say like, okay, here's exercises. You you do need more physical therapy, but your insurance will not allow it. So here's what you need to do at home. Here's what, if you have questions, like you can call us and, you know, we're going to call and we're going to try and we're going to get you more. And it's just like the passion is there. And I even felt bad. I'm like, no, like don't waste your time. My insurance has been a nightmare. Like it's, I feel for all of you that have to deal with it all the time, but there's just a different level of care and it's clear. And that's what I love about what you do. I love that you're expanding. I love, I mean, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face and it's just, it's just a different experience. And there's nothing I hate more in the world than like people dumb things down for me and say like, well, this is what you need to do. And if you're not doing this, this is what that means. And I'm like, I will go through this phone right now. If you keep (laughs) dumbing it down to me, like I'm a child, but I never get that from any of you. And I don't know anything about healthcare. Like I can write resumes for healthcare, but I don't know the ins and outs of insurance and everything. And that's like the awesome part is you guys, every single person I've talked to answers questions, gives information, says like, okay, what else do you want to know? Like what else is there? So. Well, I think that's the big part, right? Is educating because the average person doesn't know how things are applied to their deductible, their co-insurance, their co-pays, anything. And I think educating somebody on day one is vital to what we do because you don't want to surprise bill down the road that your doctor how many times does that happen to you where you go to your doctor and you get him billed seven months later and you're like lab services what right i just had one the other day yes mm-hmm. you know and every insurance is going to adjust something differently or depending on your icd-10 code which is you know your actual diagnosis of what you're there for everything changes with that and they have different statistical parameters that they have to go by, but we do our best to give as much of an estimate as possible. Um, just so you have an idea. I think that's the appropriate thing to do. You'd never go buy a car and the car salesman say, well, we don't know what it's going to cost you yet, <laughs> but, um, 
True. To start and and after your after your about forty five days of driving that car, uh, we'll give you your first payment. Yeah. No, you're gonna want to know what that car payment's gonna be, or at least a roundabout, right? That car payment might be two hundred bucks, but you don't know what your insurance is gonna cost. Or it's weird to me. And every insurer has their own rules, and depending on whether you have a PPO or an HMO or a commercial plan or Medicare, Medicaid. Everyone has their own regulations and you have to follow them to a T or you. Us as providers could get kicked out of network with them. And then if we're not in network, then we can't see those patients. Oh my God. It's a tough world. And unfortunately, with running only doctors at our clinic, doctors have to do your notes. They want to give you treatment. They don't want to be fighting with the insurance company to get two more visits because, you know, Sandy, the person at one of the major health insurers doesn't believe that you need more PT because it's statistic says you should be done with PT at three visits. But they won't take any other factors into account. But hey, who am I? What do you know, right? What do we know? Yeah. I listened to some people argue with my clinical director. He's got 13 years of experience in this field. I mean, that's not including his schooling, right? his doctorate schooling, his undergrad schooling, anything that he's done and all the time and effort he's put in. And I'm like, so somebody that is just reading off of a piece of paper can just deny it like that. But that's a whole nother podcast. Hey, maybe we'll have to have a part two because I think it would be it actually would be a good one. That would be a good one because I don't I mean, the more I get into this and whatever reason, 2022 is just kicking my ass of just like I've been to the doctor more than ever. What's physical therapy for the first time? Go to the chiropractor regularly. Like we're just doing the whole thing. But it's all fascinating and it it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. And that's where if people have the knowledge or like if you don't have insurance and versus having insurance and what your employer pays for versus what they don't. And it's just, it's wild. So. Yeah. Trying to get people the most knowledge to arm themselves with is our key. And whether that's about your health, whether that's about your insurance, whether that's about just helping you figure out something to make do with what the situation you have going on is, is our goal. This has been so much fun. That was great. Do you have any parting words of wisdom to any listeners? I mean, we talked, we covered so many topics, but what do you want to leave the good people with? Parting words of wisdom. Yeah. Gosh, it's when it's on the spot like that, I'm not sure. I mean, you said a lot. I mean, whether you're, we'll say this, whether you're looking to start a business, whether you have an idea, you haven't done it, whether you've said you want to travel, but you haven't, just like the people that are in the lull, because I feel like you are one that's like, I'm doing this. Here's my piece of wisdom. It's take a cold shower, do things that are out of your comfort zone. And whether or not you succeed, you can always change and pivot from that moment. Do the things you want to do. I mean, don't go out and blow a bunch of money on crap that you don't actually need, but have experiences, better yourself and try to help your fellow neighbor, human being, whatever we all want to call each other. (laughs) Just be kind and try to enjoy whatever you have, whether it's very limited because you always have probably something more than somebody else does. Oh, that was amazing. Mario, thank you so much for joining. This was a lot of fun and that was a quick 40 some minutes there. So I appreciate it. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was a timer. Yeah, we went over. I know. I'll include links to Thrive Rehabilitation. I'll include links to Mario Scuba Diving and you can follow along his adventures. Tune in next week for another episode of That's Business.
If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone, but here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.